Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Rated LGBT Radio, and I am Rob Watson, and uh, we have a, a, a wonderful show lined up for you today, um, as we always try to do, but today I'm, I'm absolutely assured of it. Um, we have a bright new artist, um, and uh, she is putting out some really exciting work right out of the gate. Uh, her name is Estelle Fox. And uh, not only is she putting out new work, but we actually have her latest release, and we're going to play that for you during the show, so stay tuned for that. Um, Estelle is um, a very introspective singer, and uh, there's a lot of um, uh, thought that goes into her, her work um, she sings from that, that kind of style, um, and a gorgeous voice. Uh, so anyway, we're, this is very exciting to be at the beginning of someone's career like this, and um, she's got a lot to share with us. So like I said, uh, she, we're going to be playing her song, I Always Do This, uh, during the show. Her first song came out about a month ago called Crazy, um, they both are going to be part of a new EP she is putting out called The Prettiest Parts of Me. Um, and uh, we're going to find out more about that and uh, what got her started. She's got um, an exciting crew backing her up. She's being produced by the platinum record producer Barb Morrison um, and mastered by Grammy winner Randy Merrill. Uh, so these are these are not uh, slack jobs uh, coming out. Uh, she describes herself as a young female trailblazer, and she offers her songs with selfless humility. Um, like I said, they're very introspective and um, not taking herself too seriously, but definitely representative of what I think a lot of uh, young people feel um, in their emotions and, and romantic feelings. Um, and she wants to sing to the sentiment of the next generation. Uh, and she's going to speak to us about how that generation has a collective voice that is trying to be heard. So we're definitely going to hear her voice today. Exciting stuff. Um, before that, I do want to welcome uh, Brody Levesque onto the show. Brody is our uh co-host, and he is also editor of the Los Angeles Blade. So, uh, Brody, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob, and good day, good afternoon, and hello to all of our listeners and to our listeners in the British Commonwealth and Britain and the rest of the United Kingdom. Uh, condolences as Her Majesty um, passed away today at age 96 after an incredible and historic reign uh, on the British throne. Um, she worked, uh, you know, in her duties as queen. Uh, she had 
15 prime ministers, and uh, I forget the body count of U.S. presidents, but starting with uh, Eisenhower all the way through to, uh, well, uh, President Biden. So that's that's quite a span. Uh, for the LGBTQI right. community, uh, the queen uh, is known for uh, some things that she did which uh, were critically important uh, as far back as 1967. Uh, when she gave the royal assent, uh, which um, is a kind of a sign-off permission, same as, say, a U.S. president signing a piece of legislation, I guess, uh, to the Sexual Offenses Act of 1967, and that decriminalized consensual same-sex relations among uh, men in England and Wales, who were at least 21. Uh, she is also known for giving a royal assent to the marriage equality law that took effect in 2014. She urged uh, for the UK to ban uh, conversion therapy. Uh, and then she also pardoned uh, Dr. Alan Turing, uh, the acclaimed World War II cold breaker and computer scientist who is really generally perceived by many as the father of the modern computers. Uh, Dr. Turing, of course, was gay. Uh, and he was um, arrested for what back in those days uh, for gay offenses was known as gross indecency. And he later committed suicide um, in 1952. So we we got to give uh, we, we got to give uh, Her Majesty, uh, you know, considerable uh, credit for that. Yeah. Um, and I, I would add to to his um, credit there. Many consider him the factor of winning World War II. Um, that was depicted in the movie uh-huh. Imitation Game, and uh, where he literally cracked the German code, um, which gave the Allies the ability to confuse German intelligence, um, causing them to make huge, huge fatal mistakes and open the door to the win of the war. So this this man is was was huge in his contribution and because he was gay met a very tragic end yeah and it, it really it really truly was um but generally speaking um you know her majesty uh was known for being fairly supportive uh of the lgbtqi community uh in the uk and of course in the commonwealth um and and she was kind of upfront about it. So it was, uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a sad passage, of course, because uh, there are people literally uh, in Britain who she's the only they've known. Prime ministers tend to come and go, but the Queen has been uh, pretty much, uh, you know, a constant uh, in in their lives, uh, and. You know, when you consider she's reigned, uh, or well, past tense, she had reigned uh, for over uh, seventy years. That's uh, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, yeah, and she, I mean, she is iconic actually through throughout the world. Uh, Brody is a Canadian. What was what was that like um, in terms of the Canadian relationship with the Queen? I mean, my. Uh, my personal, um, you know, family uh, were not uh, monarchists, nor were I think we Republican. Um, 
the Queen was just basically a feature. Canada has had uh, an interesting relationship since uh, it really formed its independence in 1964. And, uh, you know, we we have a lot of respect for the monarchy um, in, in terms of symbolism. But, you know, the, the day-to-day running of, you know, our country is done from Ottawa, so it, it doesn't have kind of the same impact. And, and also being how, you know, she's quite frankly in London or was in London. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, except for the occasional state visit type sort of thing. Um, but I think that most Canadians um, will probably express, uh, you know, sadness at her passage because, again, uh, you know, she was a constant, uh, you know, for uh, all of the Commonwealth, uh, you know, beyond, you know, our borders in Canada. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what what's happening stateside? Are there, are there some court cases we should well, be aware of? That the, the one thing that I would like to point out um, is we had a ruling in Texas, a U.S. federal court um, ruled in a case. Uh, that uh, dealt with the provision of the Affordable Care Act um, that would require employer-provided health plans to cover uh, PrEP, which, as you know, is a drug that is used for the prevention of HIV-AIDS. And this has been going kind of on a back-and-forth and and a back-and-forth, and this particular judge um, agreed with those that brought the suit that covering PrEP would be in direct uh, conflict with companies uh, or people that had, you know, deep religious convictions uh, because in, you know, in the brief that was filed uh, by the company Braidwood Management, the so-called Christian firm, um, having uh, to cover that sort of medication, you know, facilitates, and I'm quoting from the document, facilitates and encourages homosexual behavior intravenous drug use and sexual activity outside of a marriage between one man and one woman. Um, and, you know, basically, and this judge, by the way, is very, very, you know, conservative. Um, it essentially boils down to, you know, we don't think uh, that we need to be able to be forced to cover medication okay, that allows you to do simple behavior and live your sexual lifestyle. That's kind of the bottom line. And the judge also cited uh, the Religious um, Freedom um, uh, Act, and he, you know, pointed out that there were First Amendment issues with it. Uh, So essentially at the end of the day, um, this knocks PrEP out. You know, the thing of it is, is PrEP has been shown uh, to uh, reduce by damn near 99% uh, the risk of contracting HIV. Um, in fact, the World Health Organization has labeled PrEP an essential medicine. Uh, you know, they've gone, they've, they've said this is really critical. Um, it's another case of, um, and this is a Trump-appointed judge, by the way, th- this is another case that we're seeing, um, you know, reactionary, uh, so-called uh, far-right Christian elements uh, dictating policy predicated on, you know, religious expression and religious freedom uh, as opposed to kind of a live and let live um, way of thinking. And, of course, we expect more and more of this 
um, in just all sorts of different avenues. Um, well, it's, um, it, it is an idiotic ruling. It is absolutely idiotic. Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. like oh, it no. is um, it is attacking something that has stopped the spread of AIDS um, in, in our society. Um, my question would be, so are they going to do the same thing for HPV vaccinations, which are given to, to kids? Um, well, so that as in their adults, they... yeah, yeah, well, the problem that you've got with this representing this company in both cases was Jonathan Mitchell. Mitchell is the former solicitor general of the state of Texas. He's a longtime, very vocal opponent of LGBTQ rights. But more importantly, he's also the guy that wrote Senate Bill 8 in Texas. And that, of course, as you know, was the bill that not only, you know, narrowed down abortion, and this was previous to the Supreme Court ruling of Dobbs, but also allowed private citizens to sue those who help others or who help themselves get an abortion. This is the guy that, you know, brought the case. Um, We know that he's got ties to the Alliance Defending Freedom. And some of the other conservative law groups, um, they're just they're on a hunt, um, and it's um, it's kind of tragic and it's kind of crazy. But this is where we're at with it, um, and so you know the battle over you know LGBTQ rights uh, is at it again. Pointed out in the conversation I had a few weeks ago, <clears throat> talking about actually this particular decision, but with the religious right pushing so hard on, you know, these type of rulings, um, it's very likely they're going to try and go over Ogilvy for the same reason. You know, they've already been beat back once, but that's not going to stop them. And now with the court that they've got, uh, which is extremely conservative, and they just have to bring the right case forward uh, from one of the two most conservative circuit courts, both in the South, the U.S. Fifth, which is where Texas is, and then, of course, the U.S. Eleventh Circuit, uh, which is home to Alabama, Georgia, and, of course, Florida. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those standby. This isn't over with yet. Um, one commentator actually noted that they may try to go after Lawrence v. Texas, which, of course, was a high court ruling that more or less said you can't criminalize, you know, a person's love life. Well, they their the thought process is now predicated on this ruling that that's going to be the next one the next bite at the apple as it were so i think that it's going to be a situation where we're going to have to pay attention to these court cases as they roll forward right no absolutely and on the marriage case um of course uh, there there is new or noise that um the senate will take up um the marriage protection act this week or next week yeah respect for marriage yeah um yeah, uh, Senator Schumer indicated that in the coming weeks uh, they would do that. Um, there was initially conversations, my Capitol Hill sources were telling me, where they were going to try and run the Respect for Marriage Act uh, underneath uh, cobbling it to the budget uh, appropriations bill, um, which that kind of maneuver has been done before. If you'll remember don't ask, don't tell was undone uh, in 2011 because Senators Kennedy and some of the other allies attached the repeal of don't ask, don't tell to an appropriations bill for the National Defense 
authorization, which is the annual budget for the Pentagon. So the thought process of attaching the Respect for Marriage Act to an appropriations bill wasn't all that far-fetched because that's been done numerous times in the past. Uh, however, apparently Senator Schumer and other senior members of the Democratic Senate caucus decided that that wasn't a good idea. They've got themselves convinced that they've got the 60 votes needed uh, to break the filibuster. Um, however, those of us who've been political reporters and watching the Hill for a long time, and that includes me, uh, we don't think that's realistic. We think they would have stood, they literally would have stood a better chance of attaching it to an appropriations bill uh, because it wouldn't have required the 60 vote threshold and they could have gotten them through. Um, but then again, there would have been a lot of fighting to go with it. So um, Schumer says in the coming weeks, um, you know, everybody's kind of questioning that because both the Senate and the House will be going into recess mid-October uh, because of the November election so, uh, for the midterm. So the question is, are they or are they not? And at this point, Rob, no one's really sure, but we've got the commitment from Schumer. Yeah. Okay, well, well, we will watch it. And, of course, on our show every week, we'll probably give you an update as to where that stands. So uh, we'll, we will be keeping you posted. Uh, so, anyway, let's uh, pivot. Let's go to our guest who's been waiting very patiently on hold. Um, Estelle, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's it's thrilling. I I love your new songs. Um, they're they're really wonderful. Um, I I know that you um, two of your favorite artists um, are uh, Beach Bunny and uh, Claro. Um, I have to say, I could see you definitely sharing a stage with either one of them. Um, in fact, Beach Bunny, you guys look like you would be BFFs just hanging out. Um, what, <laughs> what about their music uh, moved you so much? Um, I do think that they have very different styles, definitely. Uh, so I guess I'll start with um, Clara, who is definitely one of my all-time favorite artists. Um, I do think that Clara has, first off, she has some very uh, – beautiful like soft pop songs that are uh older and I think what really drew me to her initially was that she did have like a lot of um like queer music I would say um and she did write about women um and I think especially growing up even though I think my generation has had it obviously a lot easier um it was still kind of like built in to have that like internalized homophobia and it was it was good to see that representation um in music which is something that I really really enjoy um obviously um and I think that hearing that music was was just like really moving to me and touching and additionally she just has a really really beautiful sound um so I just like I really enjoyed her earlier stuff and now she's going in a more folky direction I would say and it's just she's she has a beautiful, soft, calming voice, and her instrumental is always just so moving. Um, and I would say with Beach Bunny, she has, like, a, a lot more of an upbeat kind of, like, energetic vibe to her. And um, I think that it's it's just good to have that sort of, like, refreshing, like, like upbeat pop, um, definitely. But she also really has dramatic vocals um, 
And I think that she she definitely feels very connected to her lyrics, which is something that I like to look for in songs. I'm I'm really big on lyrics, definitely. Um, they mean I need to feel connected to this a lot, and I need to understand what the um, the singer is trying to communicate. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely see that. Um, it's, uh, I mean, you've described yourself as, as, or you've talked about in the past about how you do a lot of poetry, which is, you know, very related to lyric writing. And um, your, just the lyrics of the songs that you put out, you know, they're obviously looking kind of very internally in, into yourself, which, um, uh, you know, Beach Bunny kind of does the same thing. Uh, and you both seem to approach it kind of, you know, championing the non-mainstream, you know, pop persona teenager. It's like you you seem to pick up the mantle for people who feel more on the outside than the um, the people who have it super super easy. Um, in fact, one thing. Uh, listening to your songs and and um kind of that genre um you remind me of these lyrics from uh the song breathe by anna nalek i don't know if you know that song but there's a uh uh sorry go ahead no i was gonna say i'm not sure if i'm familiar okay well the lyric the lyric within the song says uh 2 a.m. and I'm still awake writing a song. If I get it all down on paper, it's no longer inside of me, threatening the life it belongs to. And I feel like I'm naked in front of the crowd because these words are my diary screaming out loud. And I know that you'll use them however you want to. And that just reminded me of of your work in that it's like this self-confessional that um, you almost feel the need to get out of your head um, and then those of us who enjoy it can then interpret it in our own lives and, and take it on. Um, how how compelled do you feel um, to write and, and get that stuff out of yourself? I, I think since when I, uh, I was really young, I've known that I wanted to be a singer um, and an artist, definitely. I mean, music was always a really big part of my life, but particularly writing, I think, uh, I always knew that I was going to do. I, I've always been a very emotional person, and I've always been very expressive. And when I realized that I had a talent for music, um, which also took a lot of like work additionally, obviously, but um, I, I realized that it was just, it felt like a really good way to be able to connect with people. And I'm always looking to connect with new people um, and tons of people, so being able to write songs that people can relate to um, and listen to and feel seen by, I think is just something that I've always wanted to be able to do. Um, and it's just been so good to have that opportunity now and be able to reach people with my music. Um, I think it's just, it was definitely always something that I've wanted to do since I was very little. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it is one thing um, that is actually amazing, and you know you are ab- absolutely an example of this of a young talent um, wanting to sing and be out there. Um, what you do takes almost a, a huge level of emotional maturity as well, and I think that's what astounds me the most 
it's like I totally want to avoid the fact that you are under 18 because I think it almost diminishes your talent in, in that because your emotional wisdom seems to be beyond that, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's part of the depth of, of your work. Um, I have your latest song all queued up. Uh, do you mind if we go ahead and play that now? No, that would be great. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, we're going to play it, and then uh, we'll talk about it after. This is I Always Do This. I still want you even though you don't want me. Is it selfish who I am? And you still love me as a person they always do. I know we're better off as friends. It just sucks how hard I fall, never for the right person. And I never fall enough for the people who are worth it. It doesn't even hurt, cause they always treat me right. But I know I'd like it better if I was the one they liked. I wanna be the one who holds you when you cry. Myself included can completely relate to every line. But what uh, 
what inspired that in you to to come up with that? Um, this song is definitely about unrequited love, and I think that um, it's definitely an experience of many to um, fall for someone and have it not be mutual. Um, but I think particularly with this song, what I was trying to communicate was, like, I I feel like often um, in my love life, my feelings towards people come across as overwhelming. And I think I've tried very hard to be able to be an expressive person because, well, one, it's related to what I want to do for a living, obviously. So um, in terms of being a singer, like, it is important to be able to write your lyrics from a very expressive uh, part of you. Um, but I also think I was generally just born to be uh, an expressive person. So um, deter people uh, at points from getting involved with me um, and scare them off. So I guess um, in this song, which uh, was about a friend that I had fallen for, I guess I wanted to kind of like emphasize that my feelings were definitely true, but I knew that uh, and my feelings were definitely true, but I knew that it wasn't mutual and I, I did have to get over it. And it was just hard for me to, to be able to take that step and move on from it. Um, feeling like all I had to give was my love. <laughs> I, I totally get that. And I'm the same way. It's like when I, when I've had romantic feelings, it's like I, I go into the high field on it. And, you know, it's like, and it is, it is risky to put yourself out there and, you know, it's kind of pure in a way. I mean, it's, um, you know, you're, you know, you're kind of unabashedly allowing your affection and your desires and your goals um, just right out there up front, which is what everybody is encouraged to do. But when you do it, you know, people feel threatened by it. (laughs) <laughs> the fools, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but so let's pivot to your other song that you put out, "Crazy," which kind of takes that to a whole new level. Um, <laughs> which I thoroughly enjoyed that song. Um, it's a little bit different style, a little more pop oriented, um, and it is um, takes it away from just unrequited love to, um, you know, I'm going to stalk you and terrorize you. Um, and you, I have to say in the video that you did with it, you kind of do, there's an element of tongue in cheek on it. Um, talk to us about that song and, and your inspirations there. Um, I would say the song first off is definitely about a toxic relationship. Um, and, to me, I guess the music video came across as, it came out as a sort of, um, I don't want to say, like, uh, intrusive kind of, like, thought, but I think often when we feel like we're, when we're so hurt after something ends, and um, in this case, it was kind of uh, an, an avoidant person who wasn't upfront about how they we're feeling about a situation um, and something ends, I think it can really like distort our perception of the person. And oftentimes we're left looking for answers um, as was I in this case. Um, 
And because of that, I kind of felt like I was going crazy um, in my own thoughts and in my head. Um, and the music video kind of came out as uh, me kind of searching for answers, stalking the person. Um, and in the end, obviously, um, with the reveal kind of showing that the answers weren't necessarily out there or, or in someone else, that all I needed was within myself. Um, and the music yeah. video was made uh, a long time after I had written the song. I'd written the song at um, 15, I think, and we hadn't recorded the music video until um, a few months ago. So I was 16, later end of 16. Um, and I... I had a lot of time to process it, so I think in the music video I wanted to give it a happier ending. Um, but initially, uh, when I had written this song, I was definitely so heartbroken, and I did think that those answers could come from someone else. And it it is unfortunately a reality that sometimes people just don't have the capacity to love you and care about you the way that you care about them. Um, and that's the reality is that I've I've definitely had to deal with. Um, it's it's hard to imagine that people don't feel the can't are incapable of feeling the same amount of love that you can because obviously that's your own perception. Um, but some people just are built different, um, and it's hard to it's it's hard to kind of comprehend. But I think that a lot of my songs have been me dealing with that um, and dealing with the fact that I feel so deeply, and some people. Some people just don't. Um, and um, I think that crazy kind of kind of goes through this sort of, like, really, like, calm, like, um, verse where I'm, like, I'm, like, talking about my feelings and obviously very upset to this, like, chaotic and intense chorus where I almost feel like it's, like, I go from, like, from, like, being sad to having a full-on, like, breakdown in the chorus. Um, mm-hmm. And it's definitely like a really emotional uh emotionally intense song it definitely does have a different vibe from um the song before uh i always do this because it is more it is definitely more like pop and the sound is more heavy and intense um but i am really really proud of it and i think i think it's it's a really good representation of how a lot of people tend to feel whether we uh express it or or not yeah, the that's there's so many things I love about it, and that what you just said is kind of one of the the main things. It's like you're just so brutally honest with it. it it's like you're no holds barred of, and self-effacing. It's like it's not like I'm trying to cover an image and you know I want to you know be seen this way. It's like you were just like, hey, these are real emotions, and you know I'm I'm relishing in the irony of the emotions and the end of the video um, where it's, it becomes even more of a self-examination is like brilliant. I mean, it's like, yeah, that's, you know, it, it kind of the message I took away is like, yeah, the, you have these crazy feelings and crazy thoughts, but the person you're really having crazy thoughts over is around yourself. And, you know, it's your own, your own internal mental world that, that you built. Um, so I mean I I just love how open you are and, and upfront. Um, the one 
part of the audience that I'm sure is going to to um, relate to you and uh, you know have impact from what you're doing is the LGBTQ you know queer audience. What what is your message to them? What what would you want them to know, and what part of your voice do you want to use to represent them? I think um, definitely my main message to the LGBTQ audience would be that um, it's okay have these feelings and it's okay to feel so intensely and passionately about things. Um, Even if they're seen as wrong or different to other people, um, you know, a lot of my songs are about uh, women. Uh, Some of them are about non-binary people, um, and some of them are about trans men. And I think that um, a uh, a lot of it just comes down to, like, love uh, and loving people is just sort of like it's ingrained in us Um, and I think that whether it's platonic or romantic we should never be ashamed of it and we should always be open to expressing all of our feelings whether they're accepted or not. Feelings aren't harmful unless they're expressed uh, (laughs) unless they're expressed in a in a a way to hurt uh, in a with the intention of hurting or with the um, ability to to hurt. I think, like, having feelings and not putting them out to people that are going to be hurt by them and keeping them, um, it's it's okay. Everyone has feelings that aren't always neg- – or are viewed as negative by some people. Um, but right. – it's always okay to have them. And obviously um, with my songs, especially with like crazy, I would say like, it's, it's okay to be angry. um, And it's okay to be upset about love. Um, But just remember that it is a very beautiful thing. And it is something that people before us have fought for. And um, it is, uh, it is definitely overall a very beautiful and positive thing in the world. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, what are your feelings? I mean, one of the things I mentioned that you you, you are a trailblazer and, and want to be, and so much of, I'm going to say older generation people or factions of the older generation are pulling out all sorts of crap publicly, like the don't say gay in Florida and, you know, really, really attacking at the high school and junior high and below, you know, the school age level. Um, You are coming out of that age group. What is that like to be kind of in the hotbed of these issues and focus down on you of what you should be exposed to and what you should know and, um, you know, and, and I'll even extend that further of, of the things you mentioned. You are so perfectly representative of what people in that generation now are teaching us in terms of, hey, stop being so fixated on a binary. And, you know, it's like, you know, these are different ways that people can be individuals. So how, what does that feel like right now? And 
what do you want to do about it? I think it's it's definitely been something that I've I've struggled to wrap my head around. And I mean, just going from obviously when I had transitioned from elementary school into middle school, uh, that was when gay marriage was fully legalized in the United States. And I just remember that that had so much of an impact on queer people in our school. Um, And for me personally, who was still coming to terms with my um, sexuality, uh, I think that it it did just like, it made people feel so much more comfortable expressing themselves. Um, And, and we knew now that it was, it was, it was something that was going to be defended uh, by our, by our government. And that was definitely something that was, that was really moving and uh, encouraged a lot of kids to feel more comfortable in their own skin. And uh, throughout the years, as time went on, um, you began to see more people come out of the closet. And I think the younger generation definitely has shown that there are, there are so many queer people. um, And a lot of them have been living their lives, a lot of bisexual people particularly. And obviously um, some, some people have just stayed in the closet their entire lives. I think that, we're able to see now that there are so many people that are that are fluid with their sexuality, and it's 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 been really incredible. But coming out of high school now, um, uh, I'm a senior, and seeing that these these things are being targeted uh, once again, um, and I do think that that does have a lot to do with uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned. I think that that when we allow people with uh, radicalized religious beliefs to interfere with our our government. Um, I think that it it does like it doesn't stop. Uh, I would say like it is it's still going to be it's still going to be kept pushing uh, if if we don't put our feet down and and do something about it. And it's it's been really upsetting seeing seeing these things take effect in um, in schools. Uh, I just know that it's it's going to be much harder for the younger generation to come to terms with their sexuality and and deal with it and it just feels like we we just got a generation that was able to openly express themselves and was able to feel confident in their own skin because of all the work that we just did and it's definitely it's definitely really upsetting um to see see this happening um so i i think what i would like to see is young people um, and old people in the community alike uh, to kind of take take action against this and really stand up for it because the fighting is unfortunately not over and it probably won't be over for a very long time until our country understands um, the importance of these things and how, how uh, religious influence can't play a role in, in government. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree with you. And that's why your voice is so important, by the way, because it's um, one of the things that is part of evolution of these issues is that when we were fighting for gay marriage, um, it was still, you know, very binary focused. You know, it was just, you know, there, you know, even, even going from, okay, a heterosexual couple to a gay couple, to a lesbian couple, um, and you know, bisexual 
um, people being kind of in the, those couples a little bit um, un, unseen as, in terms of their bisexuality because as soon as they were in those relationships, the picture of the relationship kind of took over. And with young people, um, especially in the gender spectrum, saying, okay, it doesn't have to be A or B, um, and kind of living it out, um, I think you have a lot to teach the, those of us who have gone before as well. Um, so your your voice is very important. Plus, you guys are having to live through an uncomfortable time period where we're feeling a pendulum swing backwards um, and trying to hold the ground and, you know, not fly backwards and at the same time kind of pushing things forward at the same time, um, if that makes any sense. Um, the one thing that, that you've spoken about before is, is um, speaking to and speaking for the collective voice of your peers. And if, if you had a group of those peers, you know, they're listening to your music, they're relating to your honesty, what things would they honestly want you to say on their behalf? I think um, my my peers, um, my queer peers, uh, particularly, I would say, would probably um, would probably honestly be feeling a bit um, heart heartbroken, I guess, uh, over some of this legislation. And I think um, what they would probably want our message to be was that is that this this does have to end um these things do need to be resolved um and we can't be taking these these steps backwards we have to keep pushing and we have to keep fighting um and i think that we as as young people want to be given the the representation and voice that that we deserve because definitely been a theme where the younger generation has always had so much more influence and impact than people could imagine and I think that that's going to be true for our generation definitely um I think that we have um we have a new perspective um and we're able to see beyond um these binaries definitely um that have been set uh, in our society and I think that our generation is definitely one that's going to be more unified and more loving and more accepting and really be able to push these laws uh, push these laws uh, uh, into place um, and push any all push all negative legislation um, out of out of our society and out of our government because um, I do think that eventually um, some of these very old radical uh, conservatives are um, are going to need to be taken out of office and I think that we're going to be able to step in and and make our messages known and be able to change things for the better. Um, so I am really happy that we have that opportunity, but obviously we still need to keep fighting and um, we can't just wait it out. Um, 
things need to change now because things are currently impacting children's lives um, and queer people and non-queer people alike. I would say um, these legislations are going to going to change people's people's perceptions, and it should be it should be that it shouldn't be that kids growing up think that whether queer or not think that being gay is a bad thing, being trans is a bad thing, or something that we can't speak about. It's a very real reality of so many people, um, and it needs to be celebrated because we can't be going backwards. Right. No, absolutely. And you're, again, going back to just your whole tone of honesty in your work, um, I think will will help inspire that because it it, it inspires um, your listener to just be real. Um, so, I mean, that, that is really awesome in itself. I, I want to go back to your EP, though, that is, you know, that you're releasing, um, you know, you've released two songs on it, but the EP is called The Prettiest Parts of Me. Um, what are the, the other songs that are to come? I mean, if you can give us a little hint as to, to what to expect. Uh, uh, I can. So, song that I'll be releasing uh, either the beginning of next month or late uh, this month is Losing a Friend, and it's definitely another brutally honest piece um, about heart, heartbreak that's associated with just losing someone um, who you have a platonic relationship with and how that can sometimes feel just as real as if not more intense than romantic heartbreak and how those feelings are and that connection is so really powerful. Um, I also have uh, a song that's a really intense uh, sort of like theatrical um, ballad uh, on piano that's called Villain Story and it's about feeling like um, kind of kind of broken and incapable of of loving people because of your mistakes, not being able to forgive yourself for your mistakes. Um, I have a song called uh, "Use Me." That's that's about um, I would say just feeling like you've been you've been used <laughs> in, um, yeah. in romantic and platonic context and that people take advantage of your kindness. And then um, a song uh, called Calm that is just a pretty uh, guitar uh, acoustic sound that has a has a, a loving um, a loving tone. It's, it's, it's just a kind of a bit of a sappy love song but it's, it's definitely very uh, very honest and true to me as well. And I, you know, things didn't work out with that person that I wrote the song about, but um, the song is definitely, it was from like the deepest and purest parts of my heart. And I'm still very proud of it and happy that I wrote it. It's, it's super, it's, it's, it was from super deep down. And um, I think that anyone who's experienced a, a sort of pure and, happy uh love will uh will be able to relate to that sort of feeling oh i think yeah i think i think everybody's going to relate to all the songs and i love like i said you know your your bravery and your your courage and your honesty um through each piece you know i'm sure stands out obviously i haven't heard 
the other four, but the two that I've I've listened to, you know, that that definitely comes through. And I kind of love the title of the EP, The Prettiest Parts of Me, um, which probably refers to your music, but to me it's like the kind of a a little bit of an irony, especially given the tone of crazy, um, you know, kind of going, okay, that's the prettiest part. <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah. But it is, it's kind of like, you know, you know, this is all of me. This is my honest self and, you know, and it's pretty, you know, and um, so that, that's my interpretation. Is that what the title of the EP means? Yeah. So exactly. It is sort of like, I, when I wrote these songs, um, I wrote a lot of them, um, not all of them, but I wrote a lot of them feeling pretty down and feeling a lot of negative emotions towards myself. Um, so I think, yes, it does It does refer to the songs because I'm obviously proud of my music, but it also refers to sort of how this raw emotion and these negative feelings that I'm feeling are, are normal and they are beautiful. I can create something that is artistic and inspiring and relatable with them that is a pretty pretty part of me um and if i didn't have these feelings i wouldn't be able to create my art which is really personal to me so it it is it is definitely something that i that i find to be a beautiful thing um in the end even though while i'm feeling these negative emotions i i may not feel that way because uh Ultimately, our feelings, um, our rawest and truest emotions are the most pure and beautiful parts of us, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And and you demonstrate that so um, very well. In fact, it's funny because um, one of uh, an artist we've had on our show here a couple of times, um, which you may or may not be familiar with him, is Grace and Chance. And... Um, it's like I listen to his music. He comes from a similar place that you do in writing his lyrics, and they're very personal and and all that. But the your two voices would be an awesome duet. You know, it's like because yours is so pretty and 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 feminine, and his is this deep masculine, and it just they would uh, anyway. Um, that's my fantasy, my musical fantasy of a mashup. Um, <laughs> um, but let's do some housekeeping. Where can people get the the EP and um, songs that are out now? Um, because they absolutely need to go download them. Um, how do they do that? Yeah, so um, all of my music will be out on major platforms, Spotify, um, Apple Music, Amazon, Pandora, uh, probably forgetting some. Uh, yeah, uh, and you can find find them on YouTube. Uh, I have a Vivo account. Um, and to my EP will also be out uh, on all those platforms. Uh, you can keep up to date with my latest releases and find pre-saves on my uh, Instagram and TikTok uh, at Estelle.Fox. And... Um, you can email me or find my releases also on my website at com. Perfect. Excellent. And what, what, uh, beyond the EP, what are your, what are your visions? Are, are you going to be doing in-person, um, shows or 
and or what what comes next musically? Sort of locally, I am performing on uh, Lehigh Valley uh, Live, which is I, I live in uh, eastern Pennsylvania in the Lehigh Valley, so that's really uh, really going to be cool. Um, I have a performance coming up for a local event um, at at Porch Fest, uh, and I'm performing with a band, and I'm performing some of my originals, so that's going to be really fun. Um, I'm staying sort of local within my community to try to grow my uh, my listeners, but uh, I do hope to expand and travel. I'm actually playing um, in Nashville at the beginning of October, uh, which will be which will be really uh, awesome as well. So doing a little bit of traveling, um, but I. I definitely hope to, in the future, be able to make a full career out of this, um, whether I'm uh, in school uh, or not. Hopefully, I can continue to be performing and um, traveling and creating songs. I definitely want to get some more music out there um, and continue to do this. So, definitely uh, a lot a lot to be uh, planned in the future. <laughs> Excellent. Well, and your future is bright and very excited for you. And I'm excited for the people who listen to you um, because I think uh, your, your music is a real treat and a real pleasure. Um, so folks check that out. Um, it's Estelle Fox and the songs are, I always do this and crazy. And there's a video that goes with crazy, which is itself kind of crazy, um, but very, very fun. Um, and the prettiest parts of me will be coming out. Watch for that, um, the EP. Um, Estelle, we are literally out of time. Um, you are absolutely a delight. Um, love your music. I'm very, very excited for you, and thank you for doing everything you do. Um, you know, it's, it's super exciting, and, and I'm, I'm really excited to be able to follow you and, and see how this out plays out for you, literally. Um, <laughs> I want to thank Brody. Our pleasure, our absolute pleasure. And thank you, Brody, for your work. Um, You can see Brody's other work at the LosAngelesBlade.com. It is one of the fastest growing and um, best read LGBTQ newspapers out there. You get solid news from uh, the Los Angeles Blade, not just kind of bloggy stuff. Um, So he. They tell us everything we need to know going on in the LGBTQ relevant world. And as for us at Rated LGBT Radio, we will be back again next week with another exciting show. Not sure what it is, but it will be good. I absolutely guarantee that. Um, So for those of us here, we want you to have a great week, and we will talk to you again very, very soon. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.